in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you're running straight downhill. You know where we're coming, and we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside of The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a thunderous Thursday edition. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to say, brother. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I saw the other night? Here we go. (laughs) What did you see the other night? So the... What do they call it? The WWE Legends thing the, is back. Yeah, the, the on Annie. Annie, yeah. Yeah, and I, I I saw the NWO one. The NWO one's amazing. It was great. It was great. It was good. That's what made me think about that today. Because you just did Macho. Oh, I did and Macho. Macho is in is NWO. That what yeah, he was exactly. Yeah, the way that whole thing went down, uh, WCW Hulk Hogan going. Yeah, I, I, I advise you know go check it out, especially if you're a wrestling head from back in the day. Uh, enjoy that. There you go. All right. Talked to our good friend RVD uh, the other day as well, too. So that was that was good talking with him. RVD is going to be, he's heading to uh, my hometown. Well, close to it. I mean, he's going to Stockton this weekend. And you know who's very, very excited about that? Philip from Galt. Philip from Galt. Now, you probably don't know your geography, Numchuck, but Stockton is like the, the dirty next door neighbor of Galt. Is it like the Hendo? Mm, nowhere near, no, not, <laughs> near as nice no, as not, not dirty wise, no. but like no air, proximity like size wise. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, okay. So you have Sacramento. Yeah. Okay. Then you've got Stockton, which is about 38 minutes from Sacramento. Okay. But that is the poor sister. Okay. Stockton is the poor sister of Sacramento. Remember that. Then in between Sacramento and Stockton, you have the metropolis of Galt, and I'm making a joke because it's really not a metropolis. A very, very small city. You know, he's probably listening and thinking of Philip and Galt. Oh, he could be. He could be. Yeah. And he's like, "You're dissing my town." Well, he he knows that's why he's Philip from Galt. Uh, you know, but uh, great A and W back in the day. I mean, we used to play. You know, when I was playing baseball, basketball, uh, our high school, they were in our same conference back in the day. So we would make sure we always stop by that A&W with the frosty mug root beer. That's right. Remember, get that root beer, not out of a cup. Don't let them put ice to go in it. Remember, you have to have it in the mug. We've talked about this before. The icy frosty mug. That's what you need to have. All right. It's the only way to have it. Exactly. Anyway, so RVD will be doing a signing uh, down in Stockton this weekend, it's some Comic Con, something like that. So Phil from Galt's very excited. So I promised that I'd reach out to RVD, let him know. And uh, RVD's comment was pretty cool. He says, yeah, uh, tell Philip uh, maybe I'll turn the tables on him and I'll ask him a question or two. I love it. Yeah, and I said that to Philip. Of course, he's jumping up and down. He's a kid in the candy store now. Philip needs to record that and send that to you. And yeah. We can play that on air. <laughs> okay. That's right. I want, I yeah. want, I want to hear what Rob's yeah, question that's is. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Usually people are giving Philip shout outs. He's you know, asking for shout. So I told Philip, I want a shout out now. Okay. With that. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that materializes. And, uh, here's another thing that our good friend Sabu was actually in Sacramento a few weeks back, uh, doing a signing. So there you go. And did he see Philip and Galt? He did. Oh, nice. He did. And Philip, you know, gave him the, you know, the, the shout out and, you know, said, Hey, 
you know, TC's my friend and blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, well, what did Sabu say about that? And he goes, oh, he was all pumped up. So there you go. So RVD and Sabu uh, in my old neck of the woods. What do you think of that? So, got to love it. Yeah, you got to love it. But anyway, yeah, um, wrestling. Uh, again, we have uh, the tickets uh, to give away for Impact, which are coming up uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, at Samstown Live. Okay, so get out there and see that. I know we gave away a, a bunch of tickets the last couple of days, so uh, go ahead on with that. And uh, yeah, so back to the the A and E. That's a weekly series now, right? It's gonna yes. Okay, yeah. weekly or biweekly or, or every Come, other week. Oh, make up your mind. What is it? I think it's I, mean, I think it's every other week. Okay, all right. Those things maybe are, it is every. Those week. Those things are very good. Those things are very good. So we got got to give uh, the WWE credit uh, for that, and especially when all that really kind of transpired as part of the WCW. You know, back in the day, I mean, Vince and that whole group, they would not even do this nowadays. You know what I'm saying? If it was against their rival, because that point in time, they're, they're rivals. But you got to remember, this was all in my heyday, too. I mean, this was all mid-90s, mid-90s. So I was very involved with uh, a lot of those guys uh, during that time. And I remember, you know, when I was getting guys to come work for me out of the WWE, uh, a lot of those guys were free agents at that point in time. And then, you know, Turner and WCW, they were failing miserably. I mean, if you're old enough to remember that, they're failing miserably. I mean, they couldn't draw anybody. Um, and then, um, you know, Hogan came over and then, you know, they all came over. I mean, you mean Gene Okerlund, Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, from the production side, the announcing side, and people just left Vince. And what I think is, is funny about that, if you're watching this now, you're going like, oh, that's right. Those guys went over there, but... They all ended up going back to WWF at the time, slash E, now, right? So these guys all went back. Yeah, that's the funny thing uh, about wrestling. So anyway, all right, today on the show, uh, a lot to cover. We are going to talk to our good friend Tim Neverett. Uh, Tim Neverett doing college basketball with uh, Fox Sports. He is actually in Salt Lake City tonight. A uh, huge game there uh, tonight in the Pac-12. UCLA, number four in the country. And they are talk, taking on the Utah Utes in Salt Lake City. So Tim's going to uh, join us. You know who else is there? My good friend Tracy Murray, who does the color commentary for the UCLA Bruins radio network. So I got my two guys are there, uh, one doing TV, one doing radio, uh, there for tonight's game at eight o'clock. That one is on FS1. So we'll talk to Tim Neverett regarding that college basketball. Tim's done a lot of the Pac 12 and Mountain West conference games. He's been doing the television for that. And we're going to talk to him about that. He was here a couple of weeks ago when UNLV played Fresno State uh, as well. Uh, that was the game where Fresno State uh, beat UNLV. Kind of started the slide for the Rebels. So we'll talk to him about that. And, of course, he is uh, one of the many voices with Dodgers baseball. So that is uh, getting ready to happen. As we know, spring training is happening in Florida right now. So, uh, yeah, Florida and Arizona. So we'll talk to Tim uh, regarding all of the above with that. Scott Spritzer joins us today, too. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on tonight's college basketball card, handicap some winners with that couple really good games on tap, uh, tonight as well, too. So we'll talk to Scott regarding that and get his XFL thoughts because I think he jumped in the fray last weekend betting on the XFL. So yeah, we got a lot of that hit on. And, um, Trevor Match is going to join us today as well, too. That was so somber. You were like, and well, Trevor Maddich. I'm going to tell you why because, where I'm going with Trevor Maddich uh, was 
I didn't know whether I should promote this or just kind of do a surprise thing with that. See, now I've kind of kind of blown it now. No, no, no. You haven't. You just leave it where it is just until leave, he comes on. Just leave it where it is. Leave it where it is. Okay. All right. I don't have to explain myself. Just don't explain yourself. All right. So, and just before you even send me a text message saying, hey, what channel is this? On Cox, it's 329. It's FS1. <laughs> Okay. 321? Yeah. See, all I know is direct TV, my friend. I know you do. And uh, that's 219 yep. on direct TV. So, okay, you're referencing last night. Last right? night's text. Okay. So, uh, I might as well tell you the story. Now, that's right? a great story. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I could tell what was going on. I was like, oh, I love it. Do you know where I was at last night? You, I'm going to guess. Oh, well, I'm not going to guess, but yeah. You do? Do you? You were at some sort of Mexican restaurant. Uh, how did you know that? Because <laughs> it's National Margarita Day. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay. Well, I did not partake in the margarita part of it. All right. Okay. I did, I did not take take part in that. Um, but I was interested uh, in a Mexican meal last night because I was really feeling I wanted some soup. You know, I'm a big albondigas soup guy. Yeah. Love my albondigas. You and the you and the big seven footer. Yes. Well, I turned him on to the albondigas. I'm taking full credit for this. Take right? full credit. He for had it. no idea what albondigas. Most people. I got to say this. You know what? I should be the spokesperson for all albondigas soups because most people don't know what albondigas is, and I spend so much time in my life of detailing and explaining what albondigas soup is. Most people go, what? What's that? And then if you're a true Mexican um, you know, food fan or you're from Mexican descent, then you know what albondigas is. So my pet peeve is that not a lot of the Mexican restaurants have the albondigas soup, which they should. And you want to tell me why they don't? I don't know. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, it's and I've heard this argument from one establishment. Well, it's kind of expensive to make. I was going to say it's, it might be cost. Okay. Uh, here's the here's the deal. Now, the traditional albondigas soup. Do we have some uh, albondigas soup music here? I think we need some albondigas soup, soup mu- music. Yeah. I'm going to type that in yeah, and see what I get. I don't think you get anything in there. All right. But anyway, um, it is the traditional Mexican meatball soup, okay, with vegetables now, the albonigas I like, because there's a couple different versions. You get the carrots in there. Gotcha. All right. You could do the potatoes, but I'm not a big fan of the potatoes. I've even some seen some people put the noodles in there as well. Okay. I like the zucchini. You think... Is that the green? Wait, is zucchini green? Zucchini. Oh, squash is, is yellow, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Green and gold, Packers, squash, zucchini. Okay. Oh, I got that. Okay, thank you. Well, sometimes getting my vegetables mixed up. Because remember, okay. I'm still, you know, I was an anti-vegetable guy many, many years ago. So I'm still getting my vegetable vocabulary in order. All right, so yeah. So you get a little of the, what's the green stuff I said? Zucchini. Zucchini, yeah. Zucchini. You get a little bit of that, okay? But here is the key ingredient to it all, my friend. Okra. Gotta have the okra in there. Get a little okra in there. And then you get the Mexican spices. And it's more of a, you know, reddish type of of uh, base. All right. What's the word I'm looking for? It's a base. Broth. Thank Broth, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the way. So you got the meatballs in there. 
Now, you don't want to be like some establishments and go heavy on the meatballs because then you're like me and, be, and you draw attention because you're taking your spoon because they don't give you a knife and you're chopping up the meatballs and, and, you're just, and you're just making this noise like this and people are looking like because you can't move maneuver the meatballs around. And those people that like the Albana guys know what I'm talking about. You know, all you got to do is basically like peel it away. Peel? Peel. Like, I got a round soup spoon, my friend, yeah, okay? If you take the spoon and just kind of go... Well, I, like, I I do the chop, 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 chop. Like, I pretend it's a knife, okay? And yeah, I know. Now, I've tried the knife, too, but in a round bowl, the knife, then I start splattering that all over my shirt. Not a good look. So, and plus, I, I waste a lot of it that way. Next week, yeah. when we have Grill and McMillan on, yeah. I want to ask him about your soup etiquette. Your, soup etiquette. Your, your soup yeah. Eat digging out with a spoon and see what he says. Do you think he knows anything about etiquette? I mean, he's a barbecue guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure he does. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Shout out to Mark McMillan, my guy. Uh, watch him tonight on Next Level Chef. Yes. Gordon Ramsay. Uh, will he still be alive? That's what I want to know. I'm hoping he'll still be alive. Well, he'll be alive, but you know what I'm saying. Will he survive the next... <laughs> I like that show. You know, I'm only watching it because of him, but I like it, and I kind of like the concept. And I don't know if you know the concept, but I, yeah. you got three levels. You got you know, the top level with a pristine kitchen, all right? And you've got <laughs> uh, the middle level, which, you, you know, you get, you know, and then you got the bottom level, which is like the basement. And they got like old burners and not enough, you know, stoves and that kind of stuff. It's kind of a cool concept. So the idea is to get up to the top level where you get the pristine stuff and when the food comes and they say, okay, like last week, we're making a Mexican dish. Because so then the, the lever starts at the top, you got 30 seconds to pull out all your stuff. And Mark pulled out like some turkey. So they're doing Mexican dishes. Like, so he did like turkey tacos. I'm going like, why don't you grab some meat, man? Why don't you have a turkey? Grab you, turkey? I don't I don't think they know what they're not- going for until afterwards. No, no, no. Right? They say you, they tell you. So they, oh, you know, they yeah, gather everybody okay. around. Yeah. And they say, okay, tonight you're going to bring the heat, you know, Mexican dish, you know, any Mexican dish. But the key is here's what we're looking for. Bring the heat. So they want something spicy. Right. So then, so he was at the top level and he's getting a chance to, to pick and choose. I mean, you got filet, you got, you know, New York, you got, you know, shredded beef. You do whatever you got, you know, and he picks turkey, but okay. It worked out for him. First two rounds, Mark has survived. Uh, he hasn't cooked his best. Remember last week he set the kitchen on fire and, uh, and he, the, he went to set his plate being, you know, five, six that he is on a good day. Uh, he couldn't reach because the thing, the lever was moving down, yeah. <laughs> up or down, whatever. Uh, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's, he's still alive in the, in the competition. So anyway, yeah, it's on tonight. So I'm curious. And that's the only reason I'm watching it to see how he does. So I had a friend that was in season one. Okay. And he left the first episode. Oh, really? And I was done. Yes. Because I was like, no, the reason I was watching it was for the guy. So people are going to say, well, why is Mark McMillan, former NFL uh, football player and regular guest of our, why is he on the show? Well, it's because he's, you know, he's a big into barbecue. He's really made a great brand for himself. He's a very good cook. We love talking food. Uh, he's got his own barbecue sauce. We've promoted that on the show b- before. Get that like in Ace Hardware's and other places like that. But, um, What's cool about this, you have some professional chefs, you have home chefs, and then you've got like these social media chefs. And so it's kind of cool that you're, you know, it's giving these other, you know, people that are not professional chefs a shot, you know, at a residency. It 
one of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants. So it really is a, a cool concept. Yeah. So I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if I've told the story before. I might have. Speaking of Gordon Ramsay, so remember when Gordon Ramsay did the show of, um, it was, I'm not sure what the name of it was. Hell's Kitchen? Well, it was the Hell's Kitchen where you go on the road and you turn, you turn a restaurant that's, that's dying and you got like 40, 40, it was like 48 hours uh, back to hell or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It was something like that. 48 hours where he goes in, turns the restaurant upside down. It's horrible. He starts going off on the, on the owner and saying, why are you doing this and that? But, you know, owner calls him up and says, Hey, can you kind of save my restaurant? And then obviously he, you know, donates all kinds of brand new equipment. Kitchen, kitchen nightmares? No, 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 no. Gordon oh, Ramsey. Gordon Ramsay's 24 hours to hell and back. There it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, check. so if you're on it there, so, my friend, okay, his um, husband and wife tandem, okay, had a place in Sacramento, and I used to go there all the time, and they did a lot of catering for my concerts and my shows and that kind of stuff, right? And it was Sandra D's, and Sandra D's was an old world barbecue place in downtown Sacramento. Well, put it nicely, Sandra didn't really take a good care of the place. Uh, Jeff, her husband, great guy. So then she contacted. Uh, Gordon Ramsay and says, Hey, I, you know, can you come and save my restaurant? This and that. Bottom line is she wanted the airtime. She did it because she wanted to be on TV and this and that. Gordon Ramsay came in there and ripped this place to smithereens. They went back there and he go, they were, you know, this was a barbecue house and they were using like a lot of canned stuff and it just wasn't good. And, you know, so. They had infighting. It was like a family-run place, and the daughter and the niece were arguing with each other, and other people were arguing this. And Ramsey came in just like, you know, this, we got to blow this place up. And so Sandra, the owner, she was so defiant. She did not want to change her recipes. She did not want to to change in fear that she was going to get a different type of crowd uh, in her restaurant. And Ramsey said, why, why am I even here? So my friend Jeff, her husband, right? You know what Jeff did? I'm out. He says, I'm not going on the camera. I'm not. He goes, this is your thing. You wanted this. He goes, this is only going to bring us a lot of negative publicity. <laughs> and it did. Um, and then what happened? Because so, I have it. So what happened? Okay. So what happened is, so Ramsey goes in there and in cuts, you know, turns it all upside down, this and that, brings in the new equipment, has a new menu, all this stuff, right? And then, you know, at the end of the show, Right. They say, let's go three months later. Right. Sometimes it's three months, six months later. They come back. Sandra got rid of everything. She went back to her old recipes, this and that. And then Ramsey just couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. So uh, then they end up selling the place later. I was going to say, what happened in July of 2019? Sold. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Closed down, sold. So if you're looking to watch that show, it's season one, episode eight. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I was right in the thick of that. And uh, knowing exactly what was going on, and I'm going. All right, man. Hey, I haven't seen you on TV. What's going on? I, I, I see your wife. What's up with that, man? And he starts telling me, like, I'm out. I want no part of that. Yeah, but uh, man, Jeff's great caterer, uh, barbecue. Yeah, they closed down. So anyway, uh, so I do enjoy those shows. There's some good ones. Yeah. Uh, did you ever watch Restaurant Impossible? I did. That was a great show. Was that Robert Irvine or was Robert that... Irvine? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then who was the guy from New York City? He was like the bar, the the restaurant bar guy. Turned Tapper. The bars 
Is that what you know? John? Are you talking about Bar Rescue? Yeah, bar. John Taffy. John another, Taffer. That was another good one. He's from here. He's, he's from here too, right? Right. Yeah. Why don't you get him on the show? Because I've dealt with him and I don't. What? I've dealt with him and I'll well, tell Gordon you. Gordon Ramsay's here now too. Why don't you get him on the show? Why don't you produce? I'll tell you the story about <laughs> Taffer later. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, so pretty funny here. I. Had no idea we we're going to be going this direction, but opening segment. That's, Neither did I. <laughs> that's quite all right, though. That's quite all right. Where, where's I going with this? Anyway, so yeah, uh, you asked me about Mark McMillan, right? So yeah, he's, yeah, he's no, on. I told yeah about the soup, the soup. Okay. H- h- him. Oh, can I get back to my my go my, back to your my, my Go story. back to your or you, or you don't story. want to hear about it? Anymore. No, I really want to hear this. I can't remember where I left. What was the purpose of it? You were talking about just having the soup. Oh, oh yeah, last night. Yeah, the channels, the channels. Jeez. Just how things get sidetracked on this show. Hey, God, Squirrel. You gotta love it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, last night I was in the soup mood, okay? And yes, my Albondaga soup. And shout out for those that have been around here forever, okay? Shout out to the old. I say old because they're no longer here anymore. Willie and Jose's inside Samstown. That was the best Albondaga soup. But I think that I found a very close second because Willie and Jose's closed about four years ago. Much to my dismay. Anyway, um, there's a couple places that, that do albonigas pretty good. But other places won't do it. A little too expensive, all right? Anyway, but watch out for those places that are serving canned beef from oh, Brazil. You're killing me with that because you know I want to go there so bad. Anyway, so, yeah, they don't serve albonigas. Forget that. All right, anyway, um, yeah, yeah, so... I love my albondaga soup. So last night, I'm in an albondaga soup uh, mood, and I go to one of the establishments I've been going to on a regular basis, right? Now, you normally I make a reservation, but the last few times I've been to this place, I haven't needed a reservation, right? So kind of spur of the moment, I roll out there and, oh, you don't have a reservation tonight, TC? I go, no, I, I don't. I think I need one. Uh, Why, well, you get much of a wait? Hour and a half. What? <laughs> what? I'll, I'll just sit in the bar. Uh, we don't serve food at the bar. Because I wanted to watch some Wait, basketball last they night. They don't serve food at the bar? At this one place. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wow, what am I going to do? And I didn't want the... I wasn't doing. going to ask for the preferential treatment. Wasn't going to do it. No, no, no. I said, she goes, you know who the hell I am? I didn't, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not that guy in your lawn. I'm not that... Whatever guy you said before, what, who's the, the male version you said of Karen? I, I've I've came up with a new one. Oh, it's Devin. Because De- Devin and Karen sounded like who was the one you said the other day? Um, who did I say that? I don't. Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Forget that. So anyway, now I'm in a quandary. I'm not going to wait an hour and a half. And she goes, "Well, I'm sorry. I have other people." I go, "No, no, no. I totally get that. No problem. You know, take care of them. I'll just go to option number two. Which option number two doesn't have the albondigas, but I know I can get in and out of there, no problem, and I can watch some basketball. Even though I had to ask him to turn it off the Mexican soccer game <laughs> because I go, it's a replay. Can you put it on ESPN? So therefore, the manager comes up to me and says, um, puts on ESPN two. I go, nah, not the game I wanted. I go, ESPN. He comes up to me and he goes. Do you know what channel it's on? I go, oh, do you have direct TV? He goes, 
no cocks. And I go, oh, dude, I, I, don't, I don't have cocks. I don't know. So what do I do? Text Nunchuck real quick while he's there because they're kind of crowded. What channel is ESPN on Cox? Because I have no idea. And good for you. You gave me the timing real quick. I was and, I was on it. Yeah. yeah. And it was channel what? 30. 30. 30. 30. So I tell him. So he walks away and I go, oh, oh 30. I didn't know how to say 30 in Spanish. I tried to go trace zero. That didn't work too good. I think no. it's trace. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but then. Maybe. So I had to do this. Three, zero. Yeah. You know, from across. And he found it. He found the game. So there it is. So that's why I was I was asking the channel. So you need to know that stuff. Okay. But when you go to restaurants and you really want to watch a game, most of the time they have no clue of what channels. Especially if you don't direct TV and speak the lingo. That's why I always encourage all my friends, family, hey, get direct TV so we can speak the same language. Very important. I'm not I don't speak the Cox language. I'm not good with Cox. No. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> so anyway, now you may be a Cox lover. That's you. You know, I, I honestly can't stand them. Really? They go out. Well, I don't want to. I don't want. I want to bag on them. I, I mean, do. I got. I don't think I have anything. But even though the internet does go down quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 That happens. All right. So anyway, yeah. So know your channels and get some body and soup. So yeah, I had had my soup, had my tacos, left. There you go. But tonight, my friend, we're excited tonight. Oh yeah. Play your favorite sound effect when I talk about food with Steve Berline. That's what I'm having tonight. I want a bucket of chicken. That's all you got to say. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk XFL. And yes, don't you dare go anywhere because Aaron Rodgers has come out of the darkness. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from the band War, and you are listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Aaron Rodgers emerges from the dark room. Three days and nights at the Sky Cave Retreats in Southern Oregon. Now, the nearest town is Ashland, Oregon, which is about 45 minutes away, 45 minutes from Medford. Middle of nowhere, basically. A little private road surrounded by trees and plenty of nature. Rogers was in a 300-square-foot room, partially underground, devoid of light, had a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat. You have lights that can be turned on from the inside of the room. But remember, this was a darkness retreat where you are suspended in timeless space. And all that remains is a simple and pure desire 
for connection. Because of that, we begin to lean into a profound, intimate, relating state with whatever is present. So here's the process. You check in for a few hours before sunset. There's a one-hour orientation, which you will walk the land, get situated, review the meal plan, and you'll have the remainder of the day to settle into the space. Get orientated and familiar with the cabin and enjoy the surrounding elements, encouraging you to schedule a full day to unplug, slow down, and drop into your rhythm before going into the dark. Yes. The Sky Cave Retreats. This is what Sky Cave Retreats says on their website. We will show you how to do the final blacking out of the bottom of the door so you can enter the dark when you are ready. With the exception going to tend to your material needs once a day from the outside, your room, you will be totally undisturbed in the darkness until the end of your retreat. Including your dark retreat is two organic meals delivered to you once a day. We bring both these meals around sunset through a double door. There is pure and filtered mountain water on tap. Our dark retreat cottages do an amazing job at both retaining heat and providing insulation, thus moderating temperatures. In the heat of the summer, the space remains moderately cool. And in the cold of the winter, the space never gets very cold, which it is now. The cabin is equipped with a flushing toilet, a sink, and a hot bath. It's time for darkness. Three days, three nights. And yesterday, Aaron Rodgers reappeared! Now my love has gained this fame, yeah. I'm waiting to hear back from the people at the Sky Cave Retreats, because I'm very curious about this. So when I thought about this, I go, who of my friends slash colleagues slash regular guests could really I tap into that can maybe give me some insight that really knows about darkness or knows about, you know, the woods and just being isolated? And who came to mind? None other than Trevor Maddich, of course! The Prince of Darkness! My friend, what is going on? Oh, oh, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. I've been in the darkness all day today. I got sunburned, but it's been dark. (laughs) See, perfect. I mean, this, I did perfect recon here. Did I select the right guy to talk about this subject or what? Well, I, 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 I listen. I, I enjoy darkness. I also enjoy a light switch where I can feel over there on the wall and turn it on if I need to, <laughs> which is kind of like what this place is. But I tell you what, though, uh, I, I, I can sort of relate to the importance of shutting off mm-hmm. all the stuff that bombards us on a day-to-day basis. So I, I've never done a retreat like this, but I love to get out and away. And into nature, and so I, I'm. I'm. I don't know that I'm perfect, but uh, I think that I can relate a little bit. Well, you're the best shot that I got. I mean, that's it. Because you know, I, I know that you love. Uh, you know, the woods surround. I mean, heck, you went to school in Provo, Utah. I mean, that's there's some wilderness. You know, out there, you travel 
of the United States. Uh, I know you've been up to Southern Oregon. You've been up to Pac-12 country up there in the Northwest. I, I get that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So when you first of all that you hear about that Rogers or anybody just wants to go through this, are you thinking, okay, especially it's Aaron Rodgers, is this more of a PR thing or is he like really – you know, trying to find himself, looking for a little more attention, or is he just, you know, that much of a whack job that, uh, you know, he's into this? Yeah, I think it's the latter more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I think the word whack job, uh, would, would <laughs> maybe we could replace with right. a, a very unique individual. Sure. Who, who if we're nice, that's fine. Drum. Yeah. 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 And, but the thing is, <laughs> You know, finding himself, my goodness, I hope he's not finding himself. He's a grown man. You know, I don't hope he's not trying to find himself. But to kind of reset from all the bombardment, I, I get that part of it. I don't know that you need to sit in the dark for three or four days to figure out that you're going to be paid almost $60 million if you play in 2023. And, gee, I need to decide if I really want to do that. Uh, do it for the sake of your great-great-grandchildren. You know, and worry about resetting after that, you know, once you're done. So I don't know that he needed to really decide if he wants to play. I know it's not all about money. He's got all the money he needs. But at the same time, almost $60 million. 59 to be exact. Exactly. You talk about great, great, great. This guy, he's he's not fathering any children. So there's probably not going to be any great, great grandchildren. There's not going to be a child. Uh, well, how do we adopt you and I? We'll be we'll be as adopted twin sons if he plays this year. And here's the thing: he puts us in the will. I know exactly where he lives. It's Green Bay. I mean, where he lives you know, during the course of the uh, the season, and he's got a nice place, you know, in San Diego. Uh, he doesn't get up to, to Chico, which isn't you know up Northern California very much, where he was born and raised. But anyway, it's like he's in Green Bay, man. I mean, he's not bombarded. He's not New York City. He's not dealing with all that heavy duty stuff i mean he's he, he doesn't engage with a lot of the stuff so that's why i think a lot of it is just like okay you know what is this okay and again if you're the green bay packers from a football side mark murphy the president of the green bay packers you know what he's doing right now trev he said here's the quote and i'm going to paraphrase we're waiting for aaron to decide what he wants to do you own the rights to him for one more year Okay, he's under contract with you, but what do you need to wait for him to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to come back like he did last year at the 11th hour, or oh, wait for him to say, you know, I don't want to play with you anymore. Trade me, please. Okay, now then they could still say no, or they could say, okay, fine. I mean, have you ever heard of anything like this? This is weird that you're under contract, you're not a free agent, you know, you're it's the Packers hold all the cards here, but you're waiting for your quarterback to tell you what he wants to do, and you're going to let him go sit in the dark for three days? I mean, come on. Yeah, th- this part of it bothers me, TC, because no nobody owns Aaron Rodgers or any football player. They, they own your contract rights, right? but you don't own the man, and so you can't force him to play. And so I, I get that part of it. So Rogers has to do what he feels is best for himself and, and his wife and, and all the rest of it. I, I get that part. But there's more to it than that because football isn't golf. This is a team sport. And the longer he waits, the, the longer his team is in limbo. I mean, Devontae Adams is wearing silver and black right now in part because he got tired of waiting around for Aaron Rodgers to decide what he was going to do last year. He said, look, I got to get my money, and there it is, and, and I'm gone. And that, I'm, I believe that that's part of the reason he left. 
Right now, the Packers need to know if they need to trade him or if he's just going to retire, then they need to move on. Are they going to draft the quarterback? What are they going to do? There's all kinds of things that go into it that affect everybody else on that team and all kinds of dominoes. And I hope while he was sitting there in the dark, he was thinking not just about his beard and how fast it might be growing and, gee, how long it might be once he gets out if he hasn't looked in the mirror yet for four days. I hope he's also thinking about the teammates that are counting on him to make a decision, yes or no, so we can move on. Because everybody in that organization has figuratively been sitting in the dark waiting for him to come out of his case. Wait, and you speak uh, again uh, of yourself there with the beard. I mean, letting the beard grow. What's the latest? Yeah. Is Trevor Maddich still have the beard that we last saw you with at the end of college football season? Yeah, I do. I actually let it grow kind of long. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't cut it since the end of the broadcast season. And then my, I asked my wife, I said, look, you're the owner-operator of this thing. Do you want to... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to shave it off or keep it. She says, no, just go back and trim it shorter like you had it before. So She owns oh, hey, that beard. Yeah. She owns that well, contract and that beard. It covers half my face. So I think that's uh, addition <laughs> by subtraction when it comes to that. And then so, I don't know, if I were in that place, though, I, I, I wouldn't want to look in the mirror at myself. Although it's weird, though, because there's a, there's a bathroom. Hmm. you got to turn on the light to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, you're sort of fumbling around. And right. Just imagine what that's like. No. you got to use your hands to kind of find where it is and get yourself centered and then figure out a, it, that whole process without being able to see would be a little bit awkward. And plus, I want to hear from Aaron Rodgers. Right. What, what was the experience like? What did he do? Because you could stay in the dark the whole time if you want. Or you could sit under a mirror ball and watch Saturday Night Fever on your phone with the lights on in there. Right. You can get out That's and take what I'm a saying. walk at high noon. Yeah, the light switch want. could be on. We don't know. I mean, we don't know right. that he adhered to all this darkness. And it sounded like you know he only stayed less than three days anyway. It didn't, you know, because first it was like you're going to be like at least four days, but you know, it sounds like he got out of there you know yesterday. But yeah, who knows? That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's just a, an extended getaway. And did he have company? You know, was it date night? Oh, that's a good was he point. by himself? Yeah. This is I want to know. So I, I hope to, to goodness that uh, the people from the Sky Cave retreats get back with me because I I want to interview these people. Well. Yeah, I'd be nice to know. I'd like, see, I'd like to know what Aaron says. And it's not like if he didn't stay in the dark the whole time, time he wasted his time. It's nothing like that. But I'm curious to see what, what it was like. How long was it dark? How did he cope with it? Cause you gotta, you gotta think about, I mean, if he stayed in the dark for, for three or four full 24 hour periods, I think the Geneva Convention classifies that as torture. <laughs> so, you know, so, so how do you come out of that from a mental state? I mean, what, what, what you know, what kind of, of, introspection and what kind of new personal revelation comes to you in a situation like that. Assuming that you didn't sit under the mirror ball and watch Saturday Night Fever on your phone. You know, so so what did he do? I really want to know what he did. I'm really curious about this because think of this, TC. Have you ever forgotten your phone and driven away? No. Right? You you, you drive away, you realize you forgot your phone, you're, you're in the middle of civilization. All these different things you can do, all the things that were normal to do prior to the iPhone coming out not that long ago, but you forget your phone, most people would panic. I need my phone with me right now. Right, right. For all the access. And even if you don't have, if you're not looking at it, to have it with you that you can look at it at any moment is like an addiction. And if he went into that place and left his phone outside and it was all dark, and he didn't have it. You, you can't, you know, turn on Netflix and, and you don't do all the things that you can do that are instant stimulation. You know, I mean, you see these 
three-year-olds that have iPads. And, you know, the parents are, are eating in a restaurant, and the three-year-olds playing on the iPad, just all this. You had none of that. What was that like? Because the truth of it is, I don't think, TC, that I would have the courage to actually do that for four days. I agree. I think I, I would. No, I agree. I'd, I'd be tortured. And that's why I question whether, you know, this was partially a hoax or whatever you want to say, or just a, a, a little getaway. Are you really going to adhere uh, to all that? I don't know. That, that's I'm very, yeah. very curious uh, about that myself. Trevor Madich uh, joins us. Although this place has an 18-month waiting list. There's hundreds of people on the waiting list right now. So it's an actual thing. And what better? I hope they're paying Rogers a whole lot of money for all the attention that they're getting now, because that waiting list is probably going to double. But, but I, for the sake of everybody associated with your broadcast organization, TC, and the sake of the city of Las Vegas and sports fans in, in the region, I think that on your next vacation, instead of going to the beach, you need to go to this place, sit in the dark for real for four days, then come back out and report. I challenge you. Can't do it. Can't do it. I, I, I don't know if I could last four hours, Trev. I don't know if I could last four hours. It sounds like it's pretty comfy. I mean, he had a 300-square-foot room. He had a queen-size bed. He had a meditation mat. This is what I want to know because I imagine it's pretty expensive. This is what I've heard. I've read some of the reviews, and some people are like, oh, what a money grab this is. What a sham, this and that. And if you look at the the, the proprietors of this place, it, they look like straight out of, uh, I don't know, Duck Dynasty or somewhere like that. It looked like they haven't bathed in, in a month. I have no idea, but you would think, I want to know, is it are they really roughing it in this little cabin, or is it kind of luxury in there? That's what I want to know. I mean, it looks like... I think the torture would be mental. I don't think yeah. you have to sleep on broken glass. In order to get the the effect of it, I, I think the whole thing is you don't have that stimulation. And where does that take you? There's a show, I can't remember what channel it's on, but it's called Alone. And it's a survival show where people are dropped off in the Alaskan and Yukon and northern Canada wilderness where an individual is dropped off. They're survival experts. And it's not like, you know, naked and afraid where there's other people around and you got a camera crew and stuff like that. No, you're dropped off alone. They They have batteries. They... They film their own stuff, and they are in actual, honest-to-goodness, dangerous solitude. They have a radio they can call to be exfilled if they need to. And a lot of times what they talk about when you read the after-action reports is that everything goes primal on them. There's no stimulation besides the environment, but if they're not in tune with the environment, they might die. Right. And their sense of smell becomes hyper. Their sense of hearing becomes hyper, right? And And just... To, to hear those experiences, what would that be like? If any of us could pay the price to find out what that's like, but I don't think any of us really want to. But this reminds me of that show, except you don't have light either. You're just in the dark. Being comfortable physically, uh, yeah, I, I, that's neither here nor there, man. It's 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 staring in the dark, and you're alone with yourself. And who is more terrifying to any of us than our authentic selves that we have to actually confront? That's terrifying. Uh, yeah. Uh, I might be terrified to go outside, you know, with the bears and this wilderness or whatever. But, you know, I, I'm li looking at a picture of the room and it, it looks like a nice hotel room. It looks like there's even a jacuzzi in there, Trevor. So I don't know. It's, uh, I don't, I don't know about this, but let me ask you this. Yeah, well, when you, when you decided to retire, you were contemplating retirement. What was your process? Anything like this? My process? No. Well, sort of. My process was very spiritual, actually. 
because okay. I played 12 years in the NFL. And this is my, a very spiritual community, are, too, up there where this is at. Let's say that. The very spiritual community. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know I, I don't know from firsthand experience, but my understanding is that peyote is, is available and plentiful up there. And so I, I can imagine that also helps. Uh, I although <laughs> I think I think Rogers went to Peru for a similar experience to that. Okay. But as far as uh, but but for me, you know, I played twelve years. I, my contract was up with Washington. Um, you know, I had had a couple of surgeries to kind of get myself fixed with injuries that I played with that last season that were very painful. But I, I was fine. I was fixed. And I got an offer from Fox to step out of the NFL and and broadcast for them. And and I'm like, oh man. Right? How do you how do you say no to that when the door's open? But then again, Washington came back and offered me a one year, essentially guaranteed contract to play another year with them. And how do you turn that down? Right. So here I am with the best of all possible career dilemmas. Right. And and I prayed a lot about it and uh, and meditated a lot on it and um, and and was conflicted the night before Fox was going to announce that I was joining their broadcasting and. Uh, and so I started writing an email, um, and it was like 15 email pages long. It was a really long email. And it ended up flowing out of me all the reasons why it was right to leave the NFL and go into TV, that it was time for me to leave the NFL. And the last sentence I wrote to my friend was, you know what? I prayed that I would have confirmation that this is the right decision, and I just wrote this. Is that an answer, question mark? <laughs> right? And yeah. so... You know, so I left the NFL and, and I never really thought about what if after that, you know, I, I feel like I was led to move on to the next stage and who knows, maybe that 13th year would have been the one that I would have had a catastrophic injury. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll ask God down the road, hopefully way down the road. Hey, how come you, you led me to leave, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure he'll tell me at that point, but, uh, but that was my process to, to leave. And it was. It was a very spiritual thing, but it did not involve any darkness. Right. And then uh, that retirement led to f- 15 Emmy Award uh, and counting uh, with our good friend Trevor Maddich. There you go, my friend. All right. Let's transition into this. Uh, I don't know if you watch any of the XFL, but it was opening weekend last week. And in case you missed anything, Trevor, here's what you missed. Coaches, players mic'd up three-point PATs, goofy kickoffs, goofy rules. What do you make of this? Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it, including a lot of the goofy rules and including the goofy kickoff, by the way. I mean, you you, you, you can have a one-point conversion, you run a play on the two-yard line. Two-point conversion, you run it on the five. Three-point conversion, you run it on the ten. And look at what happened between the Battle Hawks and the Brahmas, right? <laughs> With less than two minutes to go, Battle Hawks are down 15 to three. They take it down to score a touchdown and get a three point conversion. So now they're down 15 to 12. If they can get the ball back on the ensuing kickoff, quote unquote, they need a touchdown to win it, but a field goal to go to overtime. So all of a sudden it changes the dynamic of what the defense has to do, makes it more exciting, but it's not an onside kick that they do. They have the option to go fourth and 15 on their own 25 yard line. And so they did it. They got it. They drove it down, scored the winning touchdown. And it was just phenomenal. Whereas the NFL or college, you know, it would have been, it would have been a different game because, you know, you, you have to get two touchdowns instead of possibly a touchdown and a field goal. That's exciting. I think miking up the, the players and the coaches and the coordinators is fantastic 
for football fans. I mean, because it takes you inside. It gives you access that you can't get really any other way. And NFL coaches, I just can't imagine them allowing themselves, especially the coordinators, to be mic'd up because everybody's hearing what the calls are. Then you see on tape what the play is, you know, and they would be totally paranoid about that. But for fans, it's great. You know, and then they put the, I believe, the total and the line uh, on on the bugs so you can see what's going on and how things relate to that if that sort of thing interests you. I think there's all kinds of reasons why this is this is interesting. It's fun. It's different and dynamic, especially at the end of games. And it is, uh, it, it's fresh. I think the NFL really should adopt some of these new rules, truthfully. Oh, boy. Look at it. Trevor Madge is a proponent of, of all this stuff. I, I don't know, man. Uh, well, his jobs, too. Right? We, we like our football. I, I want people to have jobs. I understand that. I understand that. We like our football the way we like our football. I just think, <laughs> again, the spring stuff, everything else. And as far as being mic'd up, I mean, the fans don't know what the heck they, these guys are saying. They don't understand, you know, X, Y, Turtle, Daffy Duck. They don't know what any of that stuff means. So, I mean, well, Daffy Duck's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Daffy Duck's a problem. Because this is broadcast by ESPN, who's owned by Disney. Right. It should be Donald Duck. There you Someone go. Someone needs to call down there and get that thing squared away. There it is, my friend. All right. Uh, Thursday night football. It's back. Oh, it's the XFL. That's right. Tonight. Now they're giving it to us on Thursday, on Saturday, and Sunday. I don't know. Trevor, we're going to no, leave you. Yeah, just real quick, TC, though. Yeah. The action on Tuesday and Wednesday nights in, in November, right? Yeah. You got Kent State playing against Bowling Green, <laughs> and it draws a big number. People love their football. They do, man. Well, we're going to take you out of the darkness and into the white room. That's how we're leaving you, Trevor Match. What do you think of that? You like a little cream? Oh, man, you talk about peyote. <laughs> there, there's there's some serious peyote action going on with everything Cream did. Yeah. Brother, I appreciate you. We'll let you uh, get back to the white room. Just, uh, I don't know if you can still fold your legs Indian style when you, you know, get on that uh, yoga mat, but uh, good luck to you, my man. No, I have a yoga easy chair. That works for me. <laughs> there you go, brother. Appreciate you. Have a good weekend. Thanks, DC. Uh, my man, Trevor Baddich. Oh, yeah. ESPN's very own. Enjoying a little XFL. No meditation for him. Uh-uh. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little baseball, a little Dodger baseball, college basketball. whole lot more coming your way. At the station. Now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Is there uh, a you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Oh, and a foul. Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Number two on this thunderous Thursday edition. Don't forget to join us tomorrow at the Westgate Las Vegas. That's right. We're there every Friday, our Friday home, 2 to 4 p.m. Come on out. See the show live. Always a great time. Concert tickets, comedy tickets. We got all of that for you and a whole lot more at the Westgate Las Vegas. And don't forget Hoop Central right around the corner. Coming up, March 16th, 17th, and 18th. First two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Inside the International Theater for Hoop Central, 
No better place to be. And then also, we'll be broadcasting live inside the world-famous Superbook. The non-smoking Superbook. You gotta like that, huh? Continuing on here, our number deuce. Scott Spritzer will join us. We'll start handicapping some college basketball winners tonight. And speaking of college basketball, uh, our good friend Tim Neverett, Fox Sports, tonight on the call, FS1, UCLA, the number four ranked UCLA Bruins against the Utah Utes. They're in Salt Lake City. Tim will be on the call with that. Look forward to that. Let's talk some college hoops and a whole lot more with my man Tim Neverett. Timmy, what's going on, brother? Not too much, Doctor. Uh, yeah, I, I hope they all go see you at the Westgate. That's that's one of my favorite spots, too. It's my home away from home in Vegas. Look at that. See, I remember you saying that uh, about the Cosmopolitan. We were over there as well, too. So you're just like me, man. I like that you know? place. I know. I like that place, too. But I, I, I probably have stayed at the Westgate. I can't tell you how many times. Yeah, no, Westgate's but I, great. It's great over there. We yeah. talk about it all the time. And uh, great food options, Tim, as well, as you know. I mean, great steakhouse over there. Uh, the Edge is fantastic. The Italian place. Yeah. uh uh, Fresco Italiano, check all that stuff out. And, uh, and as we know, I mean, great concerts, uh, as well, too. So yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Big, we're big fans. I just ate at the, at Fresco, um, when I was there to do UNLV in Fresno State. Is that the right? Night before the game, yeah. I had dinner at Fresco. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite chicken parm, uh, uh <laughs> over there. That's funny because I, I just posted that picture a while back too of the chicken parm there. And uh, the first time I went, I dove into the veal chop. I don't know if you've seen that veal chop. That's a monster. You need two plates for the <laughs> veal chop. Monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Steakhouse, I think the Edge might be one of the best kept secrets in Vegas mm-hmm. from the locals because they, they should know that it's there. And it's uh, it's really, really something. It's really good. Well, uh, I'm glad you brought up um, the U- UNLV Fresno State game because I was going to actually talk to you about that because that was the last time I actually saw you a few weeks back here at the Thomas and Mack Center. And, and that was a game where uh, Fresno State uh, defeated UNLV. Uh, that kind of almost like kind of started the downslide a little bit uh, for the Rebels. And uh, you called that game. I'm, I'm real curious. What are you thinking about the Rebels and where they're at right now as they get ready to head into the Mountain West Conference Tournament? Well, I saw, I've seen a few of their games. I've been to a few of them in person, just in the stands too. And I think that they should be further along than they are. I know you got to give Kevin a little bit, you got to give him more time. I know people are getting on him, but the thing about it is, is that uh, I think, I think you got to see where they are in like two or three more years. Um, because you're in a city. Of course, that they took over in the '90s, right? The '70s, '80s, and yep. '90s. It was all about the running rebels. And when I go to games now and I look around and I see nobody sitting in the upper deck, I get, I get sad because yeah. that's not the, the young fans going in there right now. They have no idea what it was like in there. It was like when Tark was coaching; it was crazy in there. Even when uh, you know Coach Massimino took over, it was still packed. Every running rebel basketball, you know, means something to the locals, and it should mean something. And I, I root for them. I hope they do well. I, I really root for Kevin. I think he's the right guy. I just, I just hope they can get some, uh, some other players, whether it's through transfers or, you know, the, the transfer portal, or they can get some, some good freshmen to commit to go there. Because, uh, you know, the thing is, you're in the, the most burgeoning sports market in the country in Las Vegas now, um, and they should have a top twenty-five basketball team. I think, and I think that. UNLV has the potential to do that. I think they have the potential to win the Mountain West at some point in time. But it, 
again, as a, as a wise old coach told me one time, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. <laughs> and it's about, you know, who's in uniform. And, and, you know, I mean, EJ Harkless is a really good player. They've got some good players, but, you know, some, some teams around the conference have better players. And, and one thing I've seen is that they just haven't had a lot of success finishing out games. I know that Fresno State game was one that they could have won. Um, and, and it just didn't happen for them. Um, you know, things get away from them late and they've got to be able to close out games. And that's, I think, been a big difference for them once they get into conference play. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there is some talent on this roster. You mentioned Harkless, uh, Keyshawn Gilbert. But again, they're not finishing out games. They don't have a whole lot of size. The three point shooting is, is hot and cold. It's, it's not consistent at all. But yeah. And, you know, as you know, Tim, I mean, you've seen programs that can, have been able to turn things around since the institution really of the transfer portal. And it's there for you yeah. and LV. And I think Kevin's done a pretty good job with the portal, but again, it's only year number two. And, uh, we just hope that the, we do not see any more of the revolving door coaches that we've seen for the better part of the last decade here right. at UNLV. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? And I'll, I'll, I'll say it because I, I, I was around, you know, I know these guys personally. They never should have fired David Rice. Thank you. Never, thank you. Never, ever should have fired Dave Rice. One of the biggest mistakes UNLV ever made, firing Dave Rice. That was, that was, I, when I saw it happened, I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? They never should have fired him. Things would be, I, I think things would be different if they had just let him do his thing. Um, they really, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how that all went down internally because there's always a story we don't know. Mm-hmm. But Dave Rice, Dave Rice is—he uh, he should have been the coach there for for a long period of time. But you know, on the other side, uh, you know, with the with the NIL stuff now in college basketball, um, you know, there's a lot of teams in the Mountain West that are choosing not to do it. There's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that are choosing not to do it. There's a lot of teams around the country that are just choosing not to do it. And if you're UNLV in the city that you're in, why would you, and I'm not saying they're not trying to do it. I'm sure they, they want to, but you know, they need to get some people back that have been supporting the program in the past. And I, I think that they need to get the NIL stuff back involved with, um, not back involved, but involved heavily with some of these athletes because it's going to help you in recruiting. Just, uh, just, uh, visiting with, uh, the UCLA people just an hour ago and, um, you know, Jaime Jaquez, their best player, he's got all kinds of NIL opportunities in LA. He's, he's doing well. <laughs> you know, there are, there are college athletes that are doing pretty well. And the thing about it is that UNLV TC is that they've got some of the greatest facilities in college basketball. The, the home arena is a big home field, home court advantage, I should say. Uh, the practice facilities are great. The Mendenhall Center is beautiful, right? They, they, they've got all the things that you need to recruit. Now they need to come up and play with the rules that all the big boys are playing with. And that's name, image, and likeness. And if they can do that in Las Vegas, they can rebuild after being a top 25 program, being a perennial NCAA tournament team. That's what they need in Vegas. Get there. I really do. I'm, I'm believe me, I'm a big Kevin Kruger fan. I'm rooting for Kevin. I, I called his games when he was a player. And, you know, he's been, uh, you know, observing as an assistant coach, and now he's getting his shot as a head coach. I, I think he's going to do pretty well. I just think that they've got to, um, 
you know, make some tweaks in that roster, and I think they could be pretty good. I agree with everything you're saying. You and I are on the same page with a lot of this, uh, Tim. And I think from the UNLV perspective and for a lot of these colleges that, like you said, that are not really partaking as they should in the NIL situation, I just believe that they just don't know how to do it. It's still so new. And then there are still some people that are like, well, we're, you know, this is still kind of taboo to us. Well, others are really getting it done. You mentioned Jaime Jaquez at, at UCLA. How about Oscar Shibway at Kentucky? The money that he's yeah. making, he is going to make more money this year at Kentucky than he probably will his rookie year in the NBA. And that was the reason why he he stayed at Kentucky this year. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. But I just yeah, think, why take a pay yeah, cut? Right? It, it's <laughs> it, it's it ludicrous to say that, but it's true. You know, with yeah. with some of these situations, and there's some SEC SEC schools, and you know that, and maybe a couple Pac 12s You're in LA, right there, UCLA, with a rabid fan base, booster money galore, as you well know. But there's no reason that that UNLV can't be thought of that like that as well, too. You're right. I mean, no, I just don't it, think they have the right people that are pulling the trigger of knowing how to go about getting it done. That's the only thing I can think well. of. It's not an easy thing, first and foremost. It's, from what I understand, it's not an easy thing to put together. There have been some schools that have put together, uh, you know, like departments and whatnot to just try to, you know, reach out to companies externally and reach out to business owners and wealthy boosters and, uh, you know, looking for, looking for opportunities, you know, for endorsements for, for these student athletes. Um, it's, it's not, it, you can't just snap your fingers and do it. That I understand. And, and it's going to take some time, but, UNLV basketball has the brand. They do. They, they have the brand and they're, they're a former national champion. And every year we get a year away from, from those great seasons in the early nineties. But, um, you know, it's not to say you can't get back there. I mean, you know, I, I was just, uh, up in the Utah basketball offices and, and talking to them about when they lost in the national championship game to Kentucky back in uh, the late nineties. And, and again, we're talking about the University of Utah. They used to be in the same league with the Rebels, and and they have, you know, they've turned it around in in a year and a half, right? Right. Uh, when Craig Smith came over from Utah State, he's turned it around in a year and a half. I mean, they're they're competitive now. Tonight they're going to be without one of their best players, but still they're competitive in, in the Pac-12. And you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Pac-12 realignment when USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten for the money grab. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen then. Um, you know, who's going to be in there? San Diego State seems like they're going to be a lock, but I'm not really sure on the SMU pick. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're going to have some more realignment in college basketball. I mean, college athletics coming up soon. Uh, so, you know, there, there's going to be opportunities in college athletics, but I, you know, you and me look at Vegas the same way. You know, you know, me having lived there as long as I did and, and, you know, my kids all live and work there. I'm back there a lot. I just look at Vegas as a place where you should have a top 25 basketball team. And I think they have all the elements there, except, you know, they're just going to have to get better on the court. Yep. No doubt about it. Tim Nevert uh, joins us. Uh, Fox Sports 1 tonight on the call with UCLA and uh, Utah. Uh, you know, Tim, we had this discussion in the last couple of days about, and this seems like kind of a, a weird topic of discussion here, but. You know, you look at the Pac-12, and it's really kind of top-heavy this year. The Mountain West, you got San Diego State, uh, Boise State right there. But then, you know, it's kind of a up for grabs, and you get teams like basically three through nine that, uh, you know, could go on a little run here. 
Who do you think gets more teams in the NCAA tournament, the Pac-12 or the Mountain West? And like I said, it seems kind of a weird question, but it might be a valid question. <laughs> well, it's yeah, the thing is, when you look at the net ratings, the Mountain West's conference net rating is higher than the Pac-12's. <laughs> the Mountain West has a higher net rating than any other conference west of the Mississippi. It's higher than the WCC, including Gonzaga. It's higher than the Pac-12. Um, so the Mountain West is legit. And I think the, um, you know, I, I, I would hate to see anybody refer to them as a mid-major anymore because they're really not when it comes to basketball. Right. I mean, they, they play with the majors and they can play with the majors, especially the top teams. But I think that at one point I was thinking of five, maybe four if they're lucky now, because New Mexico has really played their way out of it, in my opinion. Um, you know, they lose last night to Boise State. Boise State's a lock. San Diego State's a lock. Uh, you know, Nevada's had a really good year. Steve Alford and uh, Craig Neal have done a really good job up there. Um, you know, in Utah State, they're they're hanging around. Who am I missing? Anybody? Um, um, no, I mean those are those are the the, the top heavy ones. You know, yeah, right there. Yeah. They, you know, that's yeah. I'll tell you what. Hey, you, you want to talk about a team that could surprise in the tournament? The uh, Mountain West tournament. Who you got? Watch out. Watch out for Air Force. Yeah, okay. yeah, they've slid back a little bit, you know, the the, la- the last couple of weeks. But they're a dangerous team, and again, new coaching wanna... staff, new philosophy there. You know, yeah. Well, no, I mean it's it's the same same stuff. I mean, it's Joe Scott; he's been there, and they're still running that that modified Princeton offense. Right. right. But they're a young team. I just did their game against Wyoming last weekend. They're a young team. They really have it figured out right now how to run that offense. And and they just went out there and clobbered Wyoming. Now, Wyoming's having a down year, but they can still compete, right? They're, they're, they're still pretty good. I mean, the base, the base part of it. They haven't had the wins and losses. But uh, they've had, you know, the best players out. They've had three guys leave the team, all kinds of, you know, disruptions. But Air Force uh, is playing pretty good basketball right now, and they're playing very fundamental basketball right now. And you you watch them come out and warm up, you're going to go, "Who are these high school kids?" <laughs> <laughs> but when they get when they get out there, man, they can shoot and they can run the floor. They defend. They they run that offense uh, like in a precision manner. It's really entertaining to watch. Well, the two most surprising teams in the Mountain West are Air Force and San Jose State. I mean, these were the yeah. bottom dwellers year in and year out. And both of these schools, I mean, San Jose State swept UNLV this year, and well, they're playing yeah. great. I mean, and Tim Miles is doing again. You know, when you come from you know a, a Big Twelve, you come from a Power Five conference, so to speak, and then you know you come over here. I mean, he's he's brought some players with him. They're getting some immediate returns. Well, he knows the Mountain West from his time, you know, when he turned around the Colorado State program. Right. That that set him up for the Nebraska job. And, you know, frankly, Nebraska, they got impatient with him because he didn't, he didn't win the title. Um, but he still had some good teams, and he had some quality wins and tournament appearances and everything else. I think they got rid of him too early. But, um, you know, you can see what he's done. He's in his second year at San Jose State. He's turned over the roster, and he's got guys playing hard. And I would say next year – they're going to be one of the teams to beat. They're, I mean, legitimately, they're going to be one of the teams to beat in the conferences. You know, you're not going to go, oh, we got to go play San Jose State. Yeah, that's a win. No, that, that used to be the case. They were the doormat of the league for a long time, but not anymore. He's really turned it around. And, um, you know, Tim Miles, if you know, if you know him, he's a really good dude. He's a great guy and I'm happy for him. I'm really happy that, you know, he's gone there and had some real quick success. Mm-hmm. 
Tonight, uh, it's UCLA at Utah. We mentioned UCLA. They're a f- number four team in the country. They've won six in a row. Bruins are a strong team. We, and like you said, Utah, they're good at home. They're going to miss their top player tonight. But any chance we get maybe a, a storm the court moment tonight uh, in Salt Lake, Tim? Uh, I, you know, they play well at home. They're 12-3 and three at home, Utah is. But they're going to be without Raleigh Wooster, their their guard, who's really good. He's kind of the engine that makes it go. He got hurt, uh, got an ankle issue, he's, so he's not going to play tonight. Um, they're still without Gabe Madsen, who's also had a leg injury, but he's getting closer to coming back. But you know, their their best player is Brandon Carlson, the seven footer. The guy's got more three pointers of anybody who plays center in Division One college basketball. <laughs> uh, but he also blocks shots. He's a He's a rebounding machine. He gets a ton of points on putbacks. I mean, he's just a vicious player to try to play against. And he's going to be the key in this one. He didn't play against UCLA the last time because he got sick right before the game. He was throwing up and all kinds of stuff, and he couldn't play. So they go to L.A., and UCLA beats him. So now he gets to play against UCLA. UCLA is playing for seeding right now. Uh, they still haven't won the regular season title, but if they win their next two games, they'll clinch at least a share. Um, and so they play Utah here. Then they go to, uh, Colorado State. I'm sorry, Colorado on the weekend. And then, uh, they play Arizona State and Arizona both at home. How about the schedule maker getting this one right in the Pac 12, huh? They finish at home against Arizona. Right. That game's already sold out, I was told today. And, uh, I mean, how about that for a, you know, even if, um, even if UCLA wraps up the regular season title before then, which is quite possible, they're playing for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. If they win the next four games, I think they're a guaranteed number one seed. Well, UCLA does well too, and that's typical Mick Cronin teams is they play defense as well. I mean, they're 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 yeah. top notch defense team, and again, you, know, you mentioned a couple of the names that they have, Hakez and, and those guys back as well too. I mean, I think that you know there are a lot of people. On the East Coast or even the Midwest, they're saying UCLA's number four in the country. Wow, you know, but this team is—I mean, they're loaded, man. They really are loaded, and I love the Arizona team. I love Arizona. I like their depth. I like they've got inside-outside play. Uh, But you know, I think UCLA and Arizona both can do some damage in the tournament. Yeah, it's. uh, I think both of them are going to do real well. Um, But UCLA. Make the, TC, they've won 20 of their last 22 games. I know, right? Right? Hey, I mean, 23 you, you and look four. At their, yeah. Yeah. You look at their schedule and you see a lot of W's next to the scores. I mean, it, they, um, they're really good. Their, their point guard, Tiger Campbell, is, you know, if, if he isn't the best point guard in the Pac 12, he's, he's among them. Um, you, you know, a veteran player really knows what he's doing out there. UCLA is really good. They're, they're all pretty well, you know, I, I talked to Mick Cronin a little while ago. He said they're, they're pretty well healthy. Um, they might, uh, limit, uh, you know, Kenneth Nuba's, uh, minutes tonight. He's had a little, little hip problem, but he said he felt good today and he looked good in practice. He looked, looked like he was normal. So, um, but they, uh, they're really good. And I've, I've seen them a few times this year. I think UCLA is is a is a special kind of team. They've got the type of team that could be a Final Four team, and I think part of the reason the East Coasters don't see it is because our games are late. Like tonight, it starts at nine o'clock here in Salt Lake City, so yeah. it's eleven o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock where you are, and um, 
you know, so it's it's really the East Coast basketball junkies will stay up and watch, but it's not in prime time in the East Coast. It is out west, you know, where you are, where you're going to have it in prime time. But uh, uh, you know, the East Coast people they just don't see what what we see out here. Right. Uh, final thing here on the college hoops, uh, Tim. You've seen a lot of teams this year. Give me that team that you think uh, could be a sleeper come tournament time. Uh, I'm not going to say Air Force, so I'm not going to go there again. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a sleeper, uh, I'm hoping that it could be San Diego State. I hope they can get through, you know, maybe to the Sweet 16. Uh, they play a really physical style. I, I think that it would be good for the Mountain West if they had a team get deep instead of yep. continuing to lose in the first round. I mean, we see that more often than not. Um I like San Diego State uh, to, to do something. I, I think if they can get to the Sweet 16, I think that would be a pretty good accomplishment for that team. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim Never also, of course, uh, one of the, as I like to say, the many voices of the Los Angeles Dodgers on the radio or the TV side uh, there. Spring training, uh, in effect, as we know, the Dodgers got a lot of new faces. Noah Syndergaard, J.D. Martinez, David Peralta comes over this year. Uh, yep. give, give me a take about the about the the new blood that the Dodgers got here. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I'm I'm going to be at camp tomorrow uh tomorrow late morning. I'll be uh, pulling into spring camp. Um and our first games in like less than 48 hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh Saturday afternoon our first game against the Milwaukee Brewers. So um so uh, like I said, I'll get over there tomorrow, but I'm interested to see what Syndergaard can do because uh, right now the reports I'm getting is that his velocity is up. Um, and he want, he chose the Dodgers because he looked at it as a team that fixes pitchers, mm-hmm. you know, look at, you know, Tyler Anderson, who's a spring Valley kid from Vegas, right? Yep. He, uh, he came to the Dodgers last year, he got fixed and the angels paid him a lot of money for two years. So, uh, you know, he's just one of a number of examples of pitchers that have come into the Dodgers system and, and, uh, have had a rebound. So he's hoping for that. Um, you know, David Peralta, we'll see where, where he fits in. I know he's given the Dodgers fits, uh, as a member of the Diamondbacks. He's always seemed to have, he always seems to do something against the Dodgers when we play the Diamondbacks. Uh, so it was kind of that way with AJ Pollock. So we went out and got AJ Pollock. So that stopped. So maybe that'll stop now with the Diamondbacks. Right, right. <laughs> um, we'll, they'll have a new pest. We don't know who that's going to be, but Peralta was a pest. But he's also a veteran player, and I think you know having a left-handed bat like that is important for the outfield because you know you got Mookie Betts, a right-handed bat. You've got um, uh, Trace Thompson, who's a right-handed bat. Chris Taylor's going to play in the outfield; he's a right-handed bat. So getting a little you know right-handed heavy in the outfield. Uh, so having the left-handed bat it means that he's going to be in the lineup, um, you know, a, a little bit more often. JD Martinez, you know, he's not going to. He's not going to play in the field. I, I doubt it. Right, right, right. He, his his position is batter's box. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going he's going to be the DH all the time, and I think his outfield days are done. Um, you know, in an emergency, he can get out there. But um, you know, Miguel Vargas too can play the outfield. Uh, but they're trying to you know see what he can do at second base. He's a good young player. Uh, from Cuba, he turned down Team Cuba in the WBC because he really feels like this could be a full major league season for him. You know, career wise, I think he made a smart move. Because he he's going to be able to you know get ready for the regular season with the Dodgers and, and not somewhere else. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in a full season. I saw him in glimpses last year when he came up and really liked what I saw. 
Um, you know, his first hit was a was a double in the in the gap in uh, San Francisco, and I said, okay, I like that. I like I like a gap hitter. You gotta love doubles in the gap. Um, and and he hits those. So looking forward to seeing him. And uh, and then we'll see another outfielder who's a left-handed bat by the name of James Outman, who came up last year and in his first at bat in the big leagues hit a home run. So he announced his presence with authority. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not a bad player. He might start in AAA. We'll see. Who knows? But uh, we've got some good young players, and I think the Dodgers will be good. It's kind of you know it's obviously tightened up in the division with what the Padres have done. They're going to be a much better team. You know, they feel that they're going to win the World Series this year, which every team should feel. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, I know that their owner has been criticized for going out and spending all kinds of money. But you know what? The guy said he's trying to win. What's wrong with that? I mean, every owner. I mean, the Dodgers try it. They spend money because they're trying to win every year. Every fan wants that, right? I've always said that. I mean, every fan wants, you know, one to, you know, going back in the day, you know, hey, you, you want to, you want an owner like Steinbrenner, okay? Owner like the Dodgers, the Padres have right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You want to do, you want to do that. And, you know, um, if I'm, I might have this right. I think I have this right, but Peter Seidler, the owner of the Padres, is Peter O'Malley's son-in-law. Hmm. So the O'Malley's from the Dodgers. Okay. And and, and, they, and so he kind of gets a, a little bit of this, I, I got to win stuff from the O'Malley family <laughs> instead of the Padres being the uh, the little brother in San Diego. I, I, I'm excited with what they've done. I, I mean, the competitive games are way better than, you know, beating them up. You know, you know, twelve times out of nineteen, or fifteen times out of nineteen, like you know, we you, saw last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd rather have competitive games, and I, you know, I look at it like with the Colorado Rockies in the National League West. They got they got the stadium, they got the city, they got the player development uh, uh, area in, in Arizona. They got they got the TV footprint. They got a huge radio uh, deal. They, they got everything in place except for the players. Yeah, <laughs> and player right. development. Right. I mean, the, the Colorado Rockies should be competitive every year, but they don't spend the money on players. They spend it on developing real estate around the ballpark and making money that way. And they're still eighth in attendance, even though they come in last place every year. I'll give you an idea of how baseball fans are up there. What happens when they win? Well, we saw that in 2007 when they went to the World Series. The place went bananas. Absolute banana. I was living there then. Mm. and uh, crazy, and I, I want them to get better. But uh, at the end of the day, I want the Dodgers to win the division. <laughs> of course. More playoff checks. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, final thing here for you. It seems like the last couple of years, the big question mark is Clayton Kershaw. All right, what are we going to see from Clayton Kershaw? He came back. He's going to be a Dodger again, hopefully finish mm-hmm. his career as a Dodger. Give me your prediction right now, Tim. What are we going to see from Kershaw? Pencil out the numbers, the season that we're going to see for him. Well, you know, he's getting older, and he's been spending, uh, I think, an average of two times on the injured list each year. That's You know, he's had a little back issue here, back issue there, a little arm issue here and there. That happens. I mean, think about what you do with your body for a living. You're going to get hurt. So hopefully he can stay healthy. The fact that he's not going to the WBC, I know he's disappointed in that. It was over an insurance snafu. Um, but what the Dodgers have done, because he, he was getting ramped up quicker because he was going to pitch in real games for in the WBC. But now that he's not, what the Dodgers have done is they've, they've had him hit the brakes. They've slowed him down a little bit. Um, so they're going to try to 
keep things a little bit, uh, I don't know, easier is not the right word, but um, they're going to slow play him to a point where it's easier for his body. So he's ready for opening day. He's missed an opening day start in recent years because of a, a back spasm that cropped up the day before. Uh, but they they need him. And they also know that they need him from time to time to get a rest, to skip a start. And if you look at what happens with the Dodgers staff, it seems like every year, every pitcher goes on the uh, the injured list at least once at some point in time to, to skip a start, to stay fresh. And, and that does help in September. Uh, but what I'm hoping for is that Kershaw has a healthy season because if he does, you know, his fastball plays off the slider, slider, you know, his curveballs, you know, when he was younger was always the big pitch, but a slider really is his out pitch. Now he's really got a really good one, mm-hmm. but I just want to see him healthy at the end of the season, put up some good numbers and then have a very productive postseason. I think that's what everybody wants. They want to see him have success in the postseason like he had in 2020. You got it. All right. He is Tim Neverett. He'll be on the call tonight. Uh, turn on FS1, UCLA, and Utah. Then he's, uh, you know, off, uh, for spring training, uh, with the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, again, we talk about basketball here in Vegas, the Pac 12 tournament, the Mountain West Conference, the WCC, and the Big West. We look forward to being out there again, uh, Tim. I know you're a big part of, uh, putting that together from our broadcast standpoint. The Dollar Loan Center in Henderson is the first event out there last year. Looking forward to being back there again this year, my friend. But, uh, it sounds like you're going to be a little bit busy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss you. Yeah, I got, uh, 30 Dodger games in 32 days. So <laughs> pace yourself, my friend. Rated. Stay hydrated. Yeah. Uh, the hydration is a big deal. That's what, yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal. But yeah, they, I mean, you can just see from all the tournaments that are there, the Olympic team trains there. They, I mean, baseball, I mean, uh, Vegas is a basketball mecca around the country. Yeah. And, uh, back to our original topic, I, I really root for UNLV. I hope they can get it going again. You got it. All right, brother. Enjoy the call tonight. We'll be watching and, uh, look forward to talking with you and seeing you soon. Sounds good, TC. See you later, man. You got it, buddy. Tim Neverett on the call tonight. Fox Sports 1, UCLA, and Utah. Again, uh, a longtime Las Vegas, uh, just like myself. Go way back in the day. Always love having him on. When we come back, another old compadre, a regular handicapper extraordinaire, Scott Spritzer. Let's get some college basketball winners. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. TC Martin. Come on out and join us tomorrow at the Westgate Las Vegas Friday. Fabulous Friday. Love the Fridays. Uh-huh. End of the work week. Previewing a busy college basketball weekend. NBA's back as well, too. Come on out and see the show live tomorrow. Brian Salmon's going to be joining us. B-Sal, the sports director at News 3. That'll be some fun as he gets ready for his boxing debut get in the ring Saturday night this guy's been training big time for this I told him to bring the gloves tomorrow here it is maybe we'll get a last minute sparring session in are you gonna have him just knock you no not with me I mean why not you should have him knock him I was gonna have Scott Spritzer come on down and you know do that that'd be that'd be a good a good main event maybe that's more than a tune-up right there let me tell you I don't know but b Sal, that would be interesting to see uh, how he does he's been training hard so, yeah, look forward to that. All right, come on by, see the show tomorrow. We'll have plenty of tickets to give away, too, tomorrow for the Comedy Cabaret. Uh, they're in their third week there. Uh, great comedians, headline comedians. Uh, Derek Richards was there last week. He was phenomenal. Marsha Warfield the week before that. Remember her from Night Court. Uh, Kathleen Dunbar uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. Oh, she's hilarious. 
Uh, so yeah, get out there, check out the comedy cabaret. We'll have tickets tomorrow. Just come on by, say hello. Come on, Wisconsin. We'll hook you up. Come on, Green Bay. Why not? That's it. Should I just call me Green Bay? I'm gonna start calling you Green Bay That's too. That's it. All right, just don't call me Aaron Rodgers, okay? Because I'm still rising from the darkness. I remember that. Here's a guy who rises up late in the day, Scott Spritzer. What's going on, my friend? Rise and yeah, shine. Yeah, you know, I, I rise from darkness too, but I, I you know. I, I think if I was him, I'd go to the Jets. That's where I'd be headed if I was Aaron Rodgers. Oh, geez. Do, I mean, God, do we care? I mean, this enough already. He could have stayed locked away for two weeks, but I don't think he could handle it. You know, I think that, you know, we, we did a, a big deep dive into this in hour number one. This place looks pretty cushy. You know, where he was at and everything. I have no guarantee that uh, the lights were off. I think he was just, you know, getting a little R and R, a little party. I mean, Trevor, yeah. Trevor, Trevor Mad said he thinks that he had the disco mirror ball going and he snuck his phone in. And he's watching Saturday Night Fever in there. That's what we think was happening. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It didn't exactly look like he was on some, you know, some trip, uh, you know, overseas somewhere, <laughs> right? finding himself yeah. and, you know, uh, be, being, be, being enlightened, you know, with the eight stages of enlightenment or anything like that. You know, so I, I kind of question what this whole, you know, disappearing into darkness is, but, uh, Boy, if I'm on an NFL team, I mean, obviously he's got incredible skills, but he hasn't won anything in a decade, and he's had some pretty good teams to, you know, that he's been around that has had chances to win uh, a lot, and he hasn't, you know, as far as deep into the postseason, Super Bowl championships, anything like that. I don't know, man. If it's like, I, I think the Jets are a great place for anybody, any quarterback to land right now. If it's up to them, and I keep looking at the Jets and I'm seeing who they're you know, potentially going to be able to sign. And I'm like, you got Aaron Rodgers, who's just kind of out there. And then you got Derek Carr. And I thought Marco, when we were down there on Friday at Westgate, we were talking about Derek Carr going there. And even though I think it's a great spot, if you're Derek Carr looking for a, a place to go, I'm not so sure he'd be able to handle the scrutiny of the New York media. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, man, you got a couple of the quarterbacks out there and Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr who have been starters in the league for many years, but do you really want either one? You know, you got one, you got to question what he, what's going on between his ears half the time in Rodgers, and one that you're not sure can take the punishment of the, uh, of the media. I agree with you. And then, you know, let's throw Lamar Jackson in there as well, too. I'm not sure, you know, if I'm a general manager or coach, I'm not sure I want Lamar Jackson uh, to deal with him as well, too. And, you know, sounds more and more like, okay, he might not be back with the Ravens. But you got those three guys, and I think that there are question marks with all three. And I don't know, maybe Derek Carr needs, you know, a, a change of location. I'm not sure the Jets is, is really desirable. I mean, I guess it makes sense, you know, stay in the AFC and, you know, go there. At least you've got a defense. I mean, Derek Carr's never had a defense, right? So maybe sure. that would help. Here's the thing with Rodgers. I, I can't see Rodgers really going to the AFC. I mean, he sees that that is not an easy road at all to get to the Super Bowl. NFC is the easier path. Okay, You don't have any really that many high-profile quarterbacks in the NFC compared to the AFC. So I just kind of see him as being an NFC guy or, okay, I've had enough. It's time to retire. But then again, let's remember, the Packers hold all the cards. He's still under contract with the Packers, just like last year, at least for one more year. And it's just, it's just weird. I mean, that Mark Murphy is sitting there going like, well, okay, we're going to try to be as patient as we can, see what Aaron wants to do. But, you know, we'd like for him to make a, a decision before free agency starts. So but I'm just like, you it's know, crazy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I think anybody will go to the AFC who's an NFC player if the money's right. You know, I think that's 
first and foremost. And then, you know, I, I just look at Green Bay and I look at Jordan Love. You drafted this guy a few years ago. You ticked off your starting quarterback when you did so. And one thing about that particular draft, Green Bay, and I agree with Rodgers on this, could have used some receivers. Oh, yeah. And instead they draft Jordan Love. Well, if he was good enough to be drafted at that point when you needed to uh, to address other areas of your team, including getting some weapons for your starting quarterback, it's a situation where when are you going to ever play this guy? Just you know, cut cut your losses or whatever you want to call it with Aaron Rodgers, or move on and let's see what Jordan Love can do. And if he can't do it, bring somebody else in. You know, but it's just weird that in a day and age when we see guys like you know Hurts. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes bumping Alex Smith a couple of years ago. You know, when you see guys who are coming up from college and within their, by their second year, they're leading their teams to fine records and playoff appearances and hurts in the Super Bowl, that kind of stuff. What are you waiting for? You know, it's like time to make a move, time to say, Aaron, we're going to, you know, have great one, man. We'll, we'll, we'll retire your jersey one day at halftime, but we're going with Jordan Love and seeing if we got something here. Yeah, I mean, big difference between if you just you know scouting guys from college uh, from their careers from what Jalen Hurts and even Patrick Mahomes did uh, compared to Jordan Love. I mean, we watched this guy at Utah State. I mean, he was a, a marginal quarterback at best. And again, he was it was a reach. There's no question it was a reach, even though we really haven't seen too much of him. But uh, again, it it was a very questionable. Uh, you know, move, uh, again, tight end receivers. Heck, Scott, they could have used a, another linebacker in Green Bay sure. at that point in time as well, too. So, uh, again, just, you know, kind of a, a, a typical reach, you know, with that uh, organization at that point in time. I'm curious, you know, if, if you dove in to the XFL at all, because when we were together last Friday, you said, okay, you're going to take a look at some of this stuff and, and, and maybe, you know, jump in where, you know, I was more like, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for me to, to watch any of it. I'm curious now. We all want to know, did Scott Sprites or jump in on any XFL action at the betting window? No, I did not. I did take in a, you know, probably about, uh, one half of maybe three of the four games or whatever. And I, I'd not jump it in tonight, for instance, but I think there are clear cut advantages. And first of all, so far after one week, it to me is a much better project, a uh, product than the USFL last year or the previous XFL, you know, chance that they had, uh, when they were, when they were in season. And so I think it, it's a better, it's watchable. I guess that's the way I'm going to put it. It's watchable, but. Man, is there a difference between some of these head coaches and also quarterbacks? Heinz Ward made some horrible decisions as the head coach of San Antonio as I was watching that. He got totally outclassed. I'm not sure if I trust Rod Woodson here in Vegas as a head coach. And then you've got a you know, Wade Phillips with Houston. The defense is outstanding. That's what Wade Phillips knows. He knows the right buttons to push and the right calls and adjustments to make throughout the course of the game. Same with Bob Stoops for Arlington. So I didn't jump in tonight. I didn't jump in at all last week, uh, but I have looked a little bit ahead towards this week's action, and I'm kind of thinking I might get involved with the game uh, on Sunday. I might, I might end up going with Orlando and taking the points against a Heinz Ward coached football team <laughs> and maybe even look at a little bit at Houston. And again, I, I might not get involved at all, but those are a couple of the games that I'm looking at. I, I just like the Wade Phillips factor being in this league against mostly new, you know, guys who've never really been a head coach before or have only been assistants for, you know, a couple of years. And although, you know, you've got, again, guys like Bob Stoops who've enjoyed great success, and that's who Wade Phillips will be going against this week, I just look at what he's done defensively throughout his entire career, 
You know, we're talking about a guy that was in and around the league his entire life. And, uh, boy, they've got a big advantage there with him as the head coach. I agree with you. That is a great angle to look at. Uh, is when you're looking at upstart leagues and rosters that are just put together, and, and most people don't know a lot uh, of these guys on this team, especially the quarterbacks. And we went through that on, on Monday, just going through. I mean, AJ McCarron. I mean, that's that's really about it for the most part. You didn't know who a lot of these guys uh, were, but you know the coaches. I'm with you. I you know, Bob Stoops. Okay, he's he's got a clue, uh, no question about that. And you know, and Wade Phillips, but other guys like that, Heinz Ward, Rod Woodson. You name two of them that you know you're kind of scratching your heads. At least I was scratching my head going, you know, going back to what six eight months ago when they announced that this uh, these guys were going to be head coaching. Like really? And then now you're seeing yeah. they, they they haven't had a lot of time to put this together and have never been a head coach before to get thrown into this. I don't care at any level. I mean, it is. It's a chore, and you need some experience. So that's a great handicapping tool. I, well, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and like tonight, I was very tempted to back uh, Seattle with Jim Haslett over St. Louis and Anthony Beck. Anthony Beck was a tight end in the NFL, played for the Jets, a few other teams along the way. Uh, his coaching career, tight end coach for the San Diego Fleet of the AAF, <laughs> right. whatever that is, and an offensive coordinator of the Wiregrass Ranch High School in Florida. He's going to be going up against Haslett tonight. The problem is, is that Haslett has Danucci as his quarterback. It's <laughs> like, so I just had to pass. I would think Seattle, and, and look, at St. Louis last week, their play calling it off and stunk. They scored in what, 58 minutes and like 30 seconds. Right. They scored three points, and then they scored 15 points in the final 90 seconds of the game to get the win. You know, total luck and breaks going their way. So, I mean, if you, if you had to play it tonight, I would, I would play Seattle. But I'm watching Danucci last week. Oh, my gosh. He had a couple of touchdowns, but he also had a couple of picks. I think he had a pick six. And then late in the game when they had a chance to win the game, he, for some reason, keeps the ball on, like, second and goal at the three with plenty of time to go, gets a little hit, drops the football, another turnover. So it's a quarterback situation that I didn't like tonight, but I think that Haslett uh, over St. Louis's coaching staff is a big advantage for Seattle. I just can't back a team. Uh, with this guy quarterback right now laying more than a field goal. And, and by the way, all these key numbers, three, six, seven, and all that, forget about it. There's no kicking of extra points. You know, you line up at yeah. whatever it is, the two, it's one point. You line up at the four, it's two points. Line up at the eight, it's three points, and so on. And I'm, I'm not sure I got those numbers exactly right, but that's basically what it is. The farther you are away from the end zone, the more points you get on an extra point. I think up until, I don't know, three or four points. But the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, look for coaching advantages big time. Make sure the coaching, the coach with the advantage doesn't have scrubs at quarterback. No doubt. Scott Spritzer joins us. DocSports.com. Subscribe to Scott's plays at DocSports.com. Of course, Scott, uh, joins us each and every week. Uh, being a college basketball road favorite is a dangerous thing, isn't it, Scott? When we're looking at this, I mean, look at some of these teams, uh, you know, really not covering, uh, numbers on the road, especially, you know, some of these teams with maybe some inflated numbers. And, you know, we, we saw it last night with North Carolina. We saw it with Alabama. Uh, give me some thoughts. How much of that goes into your handicapping where maybe, you know, staying away from, from some of these road favorites? I was very disappointed that I didn't bet Alabama yesterday because about 1 a.m., 
uh, on what would that have been Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. one a.m. Wednesday morning Pacific time. I found the or I saw that article involving uh, Brandon Miller yeah. and all the craziness that's going on off the court for Alabama. And I was actually texting back and forth with another handicapper by the name of Al McMorty in Los Angeles. And I'm like, boy, this is a great spot. And he goes, I agree. And I, I ended up not pulling the trigger on that game. And you saw Alabama barely escape. But in general, um, yeah, it's like I try to stay away from road favorites for the most part. I will play them at times. Um, you know, again, if I think the value's right, then I play them. But it has been tough on some of these teams to cover on the road. So, you know, and I made another mistake. I've had a really good college basketball season, but I made a mistake on Saturday in that I was trying to decide, and I had two plays, uh, Michigan State, which won a few nights ago, and uh, Baylor, I think that was Tuesday night. And I was trying to decide which team I liked more than the other for my own betting purposes if I wanted to, you know, play one and a half or two units instead of one. And I decided on Baylor, and obviously it's easier to do in hindsight, but I'm thinking, boy, you know, that was a dumb move. You split, but you lost a little bit of money. You should have been on the home team, Michigan State, over Indiana, rather than the road team playing in Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you got to be really careful right now. And laying points on the Big 12 road especially, boy, that's a tough thing to do. Scott, you and I did the same thing. I, 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 I was, it was the same thing. And I was kicking myself because I've watched a lot of Baylor and I kind of ignored, you know, what I've been watching, ignored my eyes and my thought process saying, cause they've been, looked like a tired team. And you look at the, mm-hmm. the guys, the teams that they've been playing. I think we even talked about that last week. And I thought, Oh no, they're, they're just better, especially a guard player, whatever. But man, for two games in a row, Baylor just really hasn't had a lot of the energy. And I'm a little concerned with them because I had them as like one of my NCAA tournament favorites, but uh, yeah, what I'm seeing the last, you know, week or so scares me a little bit. They, they look like they did a, a week off, don't they? Yes. I mean, it's like yeah. one of those things where they just can't seem to keep the energy going, uh, for an entire 40 minutes. And boy, I'm going to look into this big time for their next game because on Saturday they're hosting Texas. Yep. And it's a great spot to back the Baylor Bears off a couple of shaky performances if they're ready to go and if the energy level's there. That's what you got to uh, decide when it comes to playing this game. But, you know, both teams are Final Four contenders when they're healthy. And Baylor, again, they're in that great spot, but I'm just not sure if I trust them for an entire 40. I could see that team being up at halftime six, seven points and losing by six or seven by the time it's said and done. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I'm probably just going to be stubborn and go with them because I'm thinking the same thing that you're thinking. Okay, they're back at home. Okay, maybe a day or two rest will help them, and I, I probably will get on them. Uh, I'll be there. So, yeah. I'll be with you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, tonight, uh, Northwestern Illinois, that's a game that I got circled here. I want your take on it because you know we talked about before, Northwestern's no joke. They're legit. They've won five in a row. Illinois, very good at home. Um, you know, even though they, they got, uh, uh, kind of backdoored, uh, so to speak against Minnesota, they were a big t- double digit favorite, uh, the other night, but, uh, they have struggled a little bit and, uh, Brad Underwood, he's a guy, I mean, I've sat behind his bench on a couple of occasions. He can really wear on his team and boy, I saw it again, even against Minnesota the other night where he's in the face of his players, but this Northwestern team, man, they're playing well. Illinois is a five and a half point favorite. How do you see it? Yeah, it's crazy. Still with all the, you know, the, the success that Northwestern has been enjoying, they're still outside the top 40, for instance, in uh, Ken Palm's power ratings. And I trust those more than any other power ratings out there. For myself, I've got Northwestern ranked 34th, so I got them a little bit higher than Ken Palm. But still, both of us have Illinois ranked, you know, a decent amount ahead of Northwestern. Illinois is laying seven points in this one. And 
you know, most projections with power ratings and things like that would have Illinois around five. And it'll be interesting to see. I couldn't get involved. I wanted to play Illinois here. I wanted to lay the points. I think it's a real tough spot for the Wildcats. But Terrence Shannon is uh, questionable with a concussion. You're talking, you know, 17, 18 points, five boards, and three or four assists per game. So I, I couldn't get involved. I still might. I'll be kind of watching right before the game tips off to see if he's going to play. But he has a concussion, so there's a good chance he sits out. TC, I'm just shocked by how well Northwestern keeps playing. I mean, they beat Wisconsin back around the 5th of February, and you're thinking, okay, they're on the road against Ohio State, probably lose that one off the big game. No, they have no problem with the Buckeyes. They come home against Purdue. All right, this is the spot. After two big wins, nope, they beat Purdue by six. (laughs) Just one after another. And then finally, I, I didn't play any of those three games that I just mentioned, but I said, all right, they just beat Wisconsin, Ohio State, Purdue, and now they're hosting Indiana. I'm going to take my shot with Indiana here. I got beat. Yep. You know, it's as simple as that. <laughs> this team just doesn't have any letdowns. I was texting that with Koken the other night, Dave Koken. I'm like, this team just doesn't have any flat spots. This team has is burned me in every those games you just mentioned. I, I wasn't involved in the Ohio State game, but Purdue, Indiana, and Iowa. And now here I am thinking again tonight. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, tonight's the flat spot, right? It's Illinois. Tonight's a flat spot. Who knows, man? Uh, all right. And look at their shooting. I know. They're terrible. Great guard play. I mean, exactly. Yep. Yep. They force turnovers Mm -hmm. big time. One of the top 20 teams are doing that. And they don't turn the ball over themselves. They can't shoot worth a lick. They're terrible. But yet they keep winning these games. (laughs) They do. Uh, good penetration with the guards. That's, that's really the key for them. All right. Uh, real quick. Help me out, Scott. Give me one tonight. Give us, give the listeners one. What do we got? All right, I'm going to go off the beaten path as we did last week when we had North Dakota State. I'm going to go with Western Kentucky, minus the points over La Tech. Game tips off at 6 p.m. here in Vegas time. Uh, They lost to La Tech in overtime on Jan 19th, and it was a night when they led by 12 points in the second half. They blew the lead and got outscored 11-0 in overtime after blowing the lead to go to overtime. Uh, That particular night, La Tech couldn't miss. One huge difference tonight, the Bulldogs' leading scorer, their top assist man, their best player, Kobe Williams, has left the program. We're talking about a guy who makes about 20 points per night. They're 0-2, straight up and against the spread since he left, and he dominated Western Kentucky in that first meeting. I like the Hilltoppers tonight, minus 4.5. Good stuff, man. I like it. I like it. Scott, appreciate you, brother. Have yourself a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, man. Thanks. You got Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go subscribe to his plays. Uh, transparent as they get. Love having him, Marco D'Angelo, with us uh, from Wager Talk. Those are my guys, no question about it. You know, this is my guy, Trevor Maddich. Great stuff with him tonight. Talking about the dark room, slipping into darkness. Plus, we got a little cream. We got war. We got my guy, Lonnie Jordan, in war. We had all that today. You got to love that. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Shout out to Tim Neverett. Uh, one of the play-by-play voices for the L.A. Dodgers and also doing college basketball with FS1. He'll be on the call tonight, UCLA in Utah. All right, we're back at it tomorrow, 2 o'clock, at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. Again, miss any part of the show, go check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Eat well, my friends. Eat well.